Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the B-Side Podcast for Liberty Church Harrisburg. My name is Steve King, and alongside me today is not Matthew LeLoyan. Instead, it is Andrew Dimsky, um, an elder of our church here. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Steve. I'm excited to uh, to be here. First time, long-time listener, first-time caller. There you go. All right. Hey, we're ex- I'm, I'm excited to have you. Um, Andrew, you are a former backyard neighbor of mine. Andrew and I had uh, homes that our backyards uh, bumped up right next to each other. Andrew, you recently just moved, so that's a that's a part of our relationship we no longer have, um, which I'm which I'm grieving a little bit. I know you're grieving probably a lot. Actually, you're grieving probably more than I am. Um, but hey, Matt's out of town this week, so you're in. You're in the seat. Um, thanks for joining. Uh, for anyone that's listening, um, this is this this happened with me a lot too. Before I you know I joined the staff recently, as maybe maybe a lot of people in the church remember. Um, but even before that, any one of us that are elders not on staff sometimes are like known but not known also at the same time. So give yep. us a quick, give anyone who's listening a quick 30 seconds introduction to you. Yeah. So again, my name is Andrew. Um, my wife, Rachel, and I have been going to Liberty for a little over five years now. Um, started when we were back in the Elks Lodge, um, which was a good time there. When I walked in and I saw there's there's dead animals hanging on the wall, I was like, this is the place that I want to be. Place you want to be. Um, All right. Yeah, still haven't, you know, pushing to get that that brought over to the current location, but no no one's really feeling me on that one. So right. we'll let that one hang there. Uh, we got two kids. Rosie um, just turned three this week, so we're excited about that. June turned five last month, um, and we've got baby number three um, is going to be Jack. Jack is on the way. Jack's uh, on the way. The of this. So, yeah, that's, that's our crew. Um, there you go. We just, like you mentioned, we just moved to – uh, outside of Carlisle, about 20 minutes away from church, um, getting unpacked in all sorts of states of disorganized chaos right now. But um, we're here, we're tethered up to the Wi-Fi, and we're ready to roll. There you go. Yeah, we are. So, okay, th- there you go. That's actually helpful for our listeners to know. Um, Andrew and I are doing this interview, we're recording this um, via Zoom. So we're recording the audio um, off of our Zoom broadcast here. So if you hear, if there's any... Uh, difference in the quality of the audio. Uh, just uh, bear with us this week. Hopefully, it won't be too much of an issue. Um, yeah, as Andrew's getting settled in, and we're just in different spots right now, but recording this interview. So, uh, Andrew, you've been a listener to B sides, uh, B side podcast. You, you've understood how this is, and for the, the last couple of weeks, I've been the one driving the conversations. Matt is uh, who, especially, has been preaching. He preaches uh, most in our church and has been preaching a lot recently. I'm asking him a lot of questions. Yesterday. I preached. Um, so I preached on Acts 26. Uh, so Andrew, you're going to be the one uh, that's driving our conversation and steering questions today. We have a couple questions that came in, so I'll let you get to those as well. But Andrew, from here on out, take it away. Let's go. Got the MC seat now. Um, well, first, just thank you for your sermon. I, I really enjoyed uh, um, listening to it. I thought that you did a great job representing the text and, and driving through it well. Um, so let's start off with just like, what's, what's top of mind for you this week coming out of the sermon? Um, where, how are you feeling about it? Um, coming, it's one thing to prepare a sermon than to deliver a sermon twice. Anything top of mind for you right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
You know, top of mind, I'd say there, there's a lot in Acts 26. I feel like all of Acts, in, in, in some ways, it, it's kind of builds to this crescendo towards the end of, of the book. And, and Paul's defense um, in, in Acts 26 is, you know, um, is his defense of a lifetime. I said that yesterday in the sermon. There's a lot of content in there. So I think I, I actually... Um, felt like there was a number, there's a number of different ways you could go with that sermon. Like what are the points to pull out? Um, and the three that I pulled out, I felt really good about. Um, but I really just would, would encourage everyone to go back and, and read through that again and read through it in the context of, of how it's built to that point. I mean, I think oftentimes we, in our study of scripture, um, this isn't wrong to do, but we can, we can just go to a chapter or go to a verse and sit there for a while. It's really helpful to see it in context. So I'd say what's yeah. top of mind for me is um, the value of Acts 26 in context of everything that's been happening to Paul up to that point. Also, inherent in that, I think I tried to pull that or, or deliver that in the sermon yesterday, Paul's defense itself sits within the context of his um, Jewish identity. Um, so yeah. I think for, for us, especially us Gentile, Western-minded Christians, um, that don't live with the heritage and understanding day to day of the Jewish people and their history. It's important for us to kind of go back into their into their traditions and really make yeah. sense of Paul's defense in light of everything that the Jewish people were expecting to have happen up until that point. Because of course yeah. we know this is like the most obvious thing in the world. Paul's Paul's preaching the gospel right at the crux of history, right at the moment where everything really changes. Um, in what people understand as the Christian faith. Um, yeah. So we got to go back into there to go like really understand how it took a different direction. And that continues to be top of mind for me, even coming out of the message yesterday. That's awesome. Um, so we got a couple of questions after the sermon. And since you, you hit on the idea of context there, um, let's jump into one here. Question is, why did Paul provide extra information about Jesus's words in this recounting versus the other two accounts. Um, and then like the quote specifically, it's hard, it's hard for you to kick <clears throat> against the goads. Uh, in other words, what, what did this add to the meaning of the message that's, that was important for Agrippa and the rest of the audience to hear? Um, so as we think of context, when we're reading our scriptures. What, how would you answer this question? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. So, and even um, I laughed when I saw that question come in, you know, Picking out what to preach on in a in, in, in a sermon, Acts twenty six. Like I didn't really spend I didn't spend no time on that statement, right? And it's right there, and I and I, and I had to like not I had to like intentionally not spend time there because it's such an interesting statement, and and to go that direction, I just felt like it would add too much to what was already a pretty full message. Um, so I'm glad we actually get to talk about that statement yeah. um, via the question. So maybe to start, I'd say. Um, like, why did Paul provide the extra information? Well, in one way, I just want to say with all humility, I, I don't completely know. I don't think anybody, I don't think any one of us completely knows why that information was there and nowhere else. So I don't want to say it's pure speculation, but there's something speculative about this answer that historians, theological historians have been trying to figure out and, and understand, you know, ever since it was written down and recorded. What I, what I think there's, I think there's a, a quick note of, when we see accounts delivered in scripture, especially these historical accounts, and there's a differentiation between them, that can be 
an accusation that's made against Christians that there's something dishonest or untrue about um, about those accounts. Is that if they're not exactly the same, um, you know, therefore they're they're not accurate. Um, so I don't want to go too far into that. I won't go any further than that, other than to say. Um, in a, from a Christian apologetic standpoint, we, we understand that the truth can be expressed, but with different viewpoints and with different audiences, different parts of the story come forward. Um, yep. Just like you and I were neighbors, we could describe other neighbors we had. You know, I'm thinking about a neighbor that we have that we both know and love. Like We could describe him and his family exactly the same, both very true, but describe very different things about that person, right? So, um, and the person that we love and admire. So like um, in this account, why does Paul provide this statement? It is hard for you to kick against the goads, something that he's saying that Christ said to him on the dirt road. In this in this context before Agrippa and the Jewish people, well, I don't know exactly why, but I, I in studying this and, and, and over the years, but even studying, preparing for Acts 26, reading more about it. Just some quick, quick insights here. So um, that statement is a, it's a proverb from agriculture. Um, it comes from like the goad is, um, it's the, it's the, 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 the prod that oftentimes had a, a metal tip to it. It's what someone would stick into an oxen to have them uh, either go in a certain direction or to keep working. Um, and oftentimes, Oxen would would kick against that, right? When they're being prodded from something from behind, they would kick against it. But in kicking against it, it would only drive more pain because they're kicking against something that's sharp and being driven into them. And so um, it's kind of like this, uh, it's this picture of like the more you push against it, the more it's going to hurt. Or it's a useless opposition, right? There's something that you're trying to oppose the, the point of pain, but it's really useless. It's just going to cause you more pain. Mm-hmm. So... So is this, what does this have to do with Paul? Um, some scholars and some commentaries would say this is suggesting that, that Paul had a wrestling of his conscience up to that point of his conversion. And so Jesus is saying to him, like, um, it'll, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, meaning like submit to this struggle you're having. The struggle you're having in your conscience is one you need to pay attention to. Um, there's even a, appreciated a scholar who um, was writing about about this, talking about, is this maybe even a reference to Stephen, um, the, the the Christian who uh, Paul is standing, and it's, it, it's, it's earlier in Acts that he's standing there, and people are laying down their, their cloaks in front of him as they're stoning Stephen to death. But mm-hmm. Stephen, in his death, right before his death, gives this his own defense. Is Paul unable to reconcile that defense? Does he go like, well, Stephen's saying something that I can't figure out. And it's, it's kind of like messing with his conscience a little bit. And then even as Stephen is dying for this belief, is he dying with a demeanor that just looks stoic or peaceful or so resolved that Paul can't make sense of that? Like, what in the world is going on here? And so it's, but that's speculation, right? That's pure speculation. But is it that Paul is wrestling with a conscience? Um, and I think that's a, I think that would make sense. It certainly would be traditional for us to think that way. If we think about, um, famous Christians throughout time, like Augustine or Martin Luther, or in our more, more, um, contemporary to us, not that long ago, C.S. Lewis, um, or I think about an apologist like Lee Strobel, um, these people throughout their lives that they wrestled with faith, they wrestled with 
the sin they saw around them, the corruption of the world. They wrestled internally of their own heart. They knew about God. They wrestled with the Christian message. And then they came to a moment of faith. And that feels like a really traditional, understandable uh, path that someone would take. And we maybe want to write that back into the life of Paul and go, well, surely Paul was wrestling in such a way that it was as if he was kicking against the goads and Christ is saying, just stop. Like, it's not going to help submit already. Um, now, what I find interesting is that um, there's nowhere else in Scripture that that would be supported. So I, I, so I don't want to say that's not true, but Paul, Paul does not anywhere else say that that's what happened. Um, and yeah. so even in, um, I, I did some more reading in, in Acts, like in Acts 23, he says, he addresses a crowd, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all conscience, all good conscience up to this day, right? In yeah. Acts 24, he says, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. And so in those two instances, also in Romans 7, um, he talks about the conscience he has Throughout his life, he really believed that what he was doing in persecuting Christians was a God-honoring and glorifying thing. So the other perspective is that, no, he had no double conscience in that regard. Um, if he did, he would he would have stopped. He was a smart, learned, skillful Pharisee that would have stopped and, and t- taken his sin seriously enough to reconsider it. So... Um, what, what do we do with that? Like, was Paul having a, a conscience that he was struggling with? I, I don't know. Um, what, what's, what is clear, he, I talked yesterday in the sermon about Jesus changed everything for him. He's going in one direction. He hard pivots and goes in another when he meets the risen and living Christ. And, and, I, and in 1 Corinthians 9, he, he says, he's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, for I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So somewhere that necessity changed is when he met Christ. And so he has new necessity, new calling on his life. Well, then is that really the goads? Like, well, well, no, because the goads would suggest that there was something already happening. So I don't know exactly what's happening with Paul. It's speculation, but I love, I love the question. I want to answer it. I'm getting long-winded in my answer, but I want to go one step further because the question is, you know, why was it important for Agrippa and the rest of his audience to hear? That's what the questioner added. And so I think that's really an interesting thought. It's like, is, is Paul's recounting and does Paul know what he's recounting or is God working through him in such a way that Paul doesn't even understand that moment? Is Paul, um, is Paul an archetype or a representation of the people of God in some ways in God's pursuit of them similar that like God is opening the eyes and opening the ears of the Jewish people to believe something that he's been working out for generations upon generations to the point of when Christ was on walking on the earth some believed him and others opposed him and, and we see that like, yes, some had their eyes open and ears open and some did not, right? Christ is, is, is like the people are listening, but aren't always hearing, right? And so is there like, there's, is there something about the Jewish people that they're pushing against the goads that they need to see as the people of God is useless? You know, so is Paul, is it singular Paul that was pushing against the goads or is Paul a representation of the Jewish people that they're putting pushing as the goats, and does he deliver this? Does he deliver this in his defense, knowing this, or does God just give him 
um, this, this message to deliver because he's speaking to a Jewish people and he's speaking to a Jewish king. And so his defense is before, is uniquely before the people of God in a way that in other defenses are not. So, I mean, I, I'll leave it there just to say there's a, there's a mix of speculation and there's a mix of intrigue and there's also a mix of, um, really reasonable perspective as to why, why Paul delivered it that way. It's not speculation in a, um, in an irresponsible, um, or, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like opposed to the faith, right? There's nothing heretical in this speculation. Our speculation can sometimes take us to a heretical standpoint. I don't think that's what this is doing, but there's a mix of speculation and a mix of reason being brought into the interpretation. For sure. That was long winded, Andrew. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I think overall, so it's important to remember that these are real people in real time, in real space. Um, so as we read scripture and we see these things that at first glance we we think are inconsistent, we've got to like zoom out a little bit, even look at the gospels. Like the same stories are recounted in different ways. There's different words there. Yeah. There's not there's not a there's not a writer of Acts chasing Paul around, sitting in the bushes that night he fell off the horse, right? Hmm. This is there this is Paul recounting it several decades later. Like there's there's a lot going on here. So the spirit inspires the text. So what is written is written for a purpose and a reason. And it's good to ask those questions, but because it's different than what he recounted in those other instances, doesn't mean it's not the same event as you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's helpful for me when I come across these things to remember that this is Luke writing this history down, guided by the spirit. Um, and so there's, there's a lot moving and shaking essentially um, within the context of all this. It's good. Um, there's, Given that we're, we're talking about this, this kind of shift in Paul's life at this point here, I wanted to, I had a thought for Bible study questions at this point. Um, when, when, how does Paul respond to Jesus' prompt here? Like, why do you kick against the goads? Um, and, and Paul responding like, who are you, Lord? Um, Jesus' response back to Paul, you hit on this in your sermon, um, when, he, when he says, like, why do you persecute me? <laughs> yeah. Um, what what hope do we find in that response? In that Jesus is grouping his church, he's he's personally feeling the pain that the church endures. So what like how, how can as Bible studies we can can we come around that theme of of how Christ responds to that? What questions can we be asking there? How could that spur some conversations for us? Yeah. Um so I think the um when I read that and was studying, I was reminded of eight uh, of Romans eight. Um, where the question of God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. And it's a, um, I think this, this, the Christ aligning himself so much with the Christians. And that was what I met, what I, what I focused on in the sermon yesterday, um, that Paul immediately, there's this validation of the Christians that Paul receives from Christ. It's not like, Hey, I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm alive. Paul goes, Oh, you're alive. And then he has to be convinced Hey, wait, okay, wait, what about the Christians? Are they with you or are they against you? Jesus just does that work for him. He says, I'm, you're persecuting me because you're persecuting the Christians. And so there's immediate validation. And I think that, I think there is encouragement for us as Christians to go like, yeah, if, like, if God is for us, who can be against us? I thought that brought, that just reminded me of Romans 8. Um, because Christ, who is the victor over death and who by faith in him, we receive forgiveness of sins and a reconciled relationship to God, 
I mean, if those are the things that are going for us, what could possibly go against mm-hmm. us? Um, that's, yeah. that's even why I, um, in my sermon yesterday or the, or the, uh, the benediction yesterday, um, in the sermon talking about like what could separate us, um, from the love of Christ, right? Nothing, right? This is Paul writing in Romans again, um, for in all these things were more than conquerors. So I think there's encouragement for us as Christians to know that truly to be a, to be, a, to have faith in Christ and to be a brother or sister to Christ, to be in the family of God is to be, I mean, this is going to sound, you know, I want to bring clear, I'm going to qualify it. Like, it's to be on the winning side. It's to be like, it's to be with Christ and with God. And it doesn't mean that like on the winning side, as if like everything else, we look down on everyone else as if they're the losers. This is not a, are you on the right side of history kind of lens that, yeah. that we get able to impose as a Christian instead, because, because we also come to see that there's a lot of suffering and a lot of trial. Maybe the next question that we'll get to in a moment, like we'll talk about that as well, right? Like, yeah. but in the midst of everything we're going through, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, nothing can, mm-hmm. because, because we're, we have faith in Christ be, by faith yeah. in Christ. And that's, and that's it. Um, so I think there's great hope and encouragement for us as Christians and maybe in a Bible study context, um, it's pressing us to have that faith. It's pressing us to have that confidence and to not, to not sit and wallow in, um, in, in, in the things that are hard in life or in the ways in which we feel like we're not, um, achieving or succeeding in ways that we want spiritually. Um, but instead to, to drive toward faith in Christ, to submit to the work that God is doing in us and through us. Um, knowing that what is what is good for us is what God is going to bring. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, encourage just have that conversation in your studies to to ponder together. Like, what are the implications of of Christ of of the sufferings of the saints? Christ identifying with those in Himself. Um, yeah. And what does that what does that say about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Um, be cool fodder for conversation because yeah. it's. Um, it's amazing. Maybe one, one quick thing just on Bible studies there related related to that would be to press one another. Let's press each other for that for where that directional change has shown up in our lives. Um, where because of our faith in Christ, we were going in one direction, but after meeting Christ, go in another. Like where do we see that? Where is the evidence of that in our lives? Where the where's the evidence of the the works that flow out of that faith? And where do we need, um, where do we need encouragement or accountability or to grow in more discipline and obedience to God living out of that faith? Because that direction is not, doesn't, you know, not everything becomes easy or we don't become perfect at it. Um, we struggle. We still wage in this war, um, battling against the flesh. And so where, like being known in all those areas in our, in our studies would be uh, good for us to do and have. Absolutely. All right, let's get to another question here. Um, here we go. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So the question is, in the midst of these trials, it seems like the goal is to let Paul go back to his work preaching the gospel. It seems that God had greater plans um, for the publicity and direction of his incarceration and trials, while others may be praying for his release. Can you illuminate, can you help illuminate how we can be specific in caring in our prayers and efforts to quote unquote help others 
while not stepping on God's plan for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, um, I think, yeah, this is a great question. Um, I think the first, my first reaction to that was, um, God, God is giving Paul to preach the gospel. Um, it is being done. So the question of, um, and the questioner recognizes, it seems that God had greater plans for the publicity and direction of Paul's message, even as people praying for him wanted him to get back to preaching the gospel. Or maybe Paul certainly wrestled with that. Can I just get out of this moment and go back to bring the, the gospel to more people? I'm sure he wrestled with that as well, even though we see a lot of confidence from Paul embracing all that is coming toward him. Um, there's, a, there's an instruction here for us to see that all of what we're going through, God sees more clearly than we do. And so not to, let's not go on the tangent right now of our free will versus God's predestined plan and his sovereignty. Um, but surely Paul is standing before Agrippa after two plus years, um, a two plus year stretch that Paul did not see coming, right? They're like nothing, Paul did not go to Jerusalem two plus years earlier going, well, hey, this is, this is my first step in order to go get, get before Agrippa um, the king in this area of the Jews um, to deliver the gospel message purely and succinctly. Um, Matt did a really good job earlier in Acts. So this is back in the spring when we were first starting Acts here at Liberty, um, talking about like, you know, it's good to have it's good to have plans, but there was no strategic plan for the early church that said, okay, well, all right, we need a couple people to go be oppressed and even. Uh, murdered um, and, and and killed because of their faith in Christ. So who's it going to be? This is the first thing we need to have happen here to get this plan moving forward, right? Like it was not, that wasn't the strategy, but that's what it took and that's what God used. And so um, there's instruction for us that God is weaving his plan forward that we can only, usually, almost always, only appreciate looking backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I just want to say that. Um, to the question of like, how do we, how do we, how can we be specific and caring in our prayers and effects to help others while also not stepping on God's plan? Um, some, some verses that came to mind immediately thinking about that was, um, first John five. Um, I write these things to you believe in the name of the son of God, right? So this is similar. We start with faith in God that you may know and have eternal life. That was the hope of the message given by God yesterday we talked about. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. It says in 1 John 5, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, right? And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And so there's there's immediate mystery that like, well, what, wait, are we, are we asking according to God's will or not? But that's what we should be praying for. We should be praying, God wants to hear our earnest and honest prayers but we should also be praying that the Lord's will be done. Um, and, and that's even that's even in uh, the Lord's prayer, right? The, 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 your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what, what happens if we don't know? Well, James 1 tells us that if we lack wisdom, right, we should let us ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And so there's a way in which the life of the Christian is discerning how do we, how do we ask for the right things? How do we really plead with God for strength to endure the things that we don't see coming. And so Mm -hmm. we don't, you know, we, this is like, um, it goes beyond 
prayer 101. It goes to like, you know, a higher level of a higher understanding of prayer. It's like, oh, God is not just the genie in the sky that what we're asking for is what we want and we believe we're going to get. But we should pray for the things that we want. And we should also pray for those who are being persecuted to be set free from persecution. We prayed that yesterday. It was Yesterday was the, the, the day of prayer for the persecuted church. And November is the month of prayer for the persecuted church. And so we should pray that persecuted Christians will endure their persecution, that, they should, that they'll stand firm in their faith, and that they will deliver the truth about Jesus and about God, and that they should do so for the hope of the salvation of others. And Paul is a witness and example to us in those things. Um, we should celebrate when persecute when people are set free from persecution and when people are not set free from persecution, we should not wallow or we should not, um, we, and it's such a battle. Like we should not, we have to battle to believe that God is not hearing our prayer or that he's not faithful in the midst of our prayer, not being answered. So we, if we would pray yeah, that people are set free from persecution and they're not, that's not, an example or that's not indicative of God not hearing our prayer or him not being real. That's us pleading with God for something really good. And God for, for in some ways that are mysterious to us having some people endure persecution for his glory and for us to endure the prayer, the continued prayer that people we set free from persecution that we would rely on God more, not less. Yeah. That's well said. No, what, yeah, I mean, Andrew, what, give me your give me your response to that as well. I first feel free to add to that or expound upon it. No, I think I like the scriptures that you referenced there. <clears throat> I think that it's at the end of the day, it's bring your petitions to God, but with an open hand, because He is sovereign in all things, and we we can look at scripture and we know the nature of God. Um, just even going back to that response, um, Jesus' response to Paul: like, "Why are you persecuting me?" Uh, we know who who we are in Christ's eyes, that he, he has our best in mind. It's just the path that he has for us, his sovereign plan for us, isn't always the easiest path. Most yeah. often it's not. And so whether it's petitions for suffering in our own life, petitioning for sufferings of, of friends or family or just um, the church at large, you know, we don't know, but we trust in God that he has, he holds all things in his hand. Yeah. Sometimes he answers them in a timely manner, according to our time schedule. And sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about quote unquote, not stepping on God's plan. Like I would, I would present your petitions to the Lord, um, do it fervently and do it passionately. That's, that's a good thing. Christ, but God desires that from us. Um, while at the same time holding those things with an open hand, that if he has a different outcome in mind than what we have in mind, um, it's ultimately for, for his good yeah. and for our good. Yeah, it's true. It's good. Yeah. I've got one more question that I submitted, if that's okay with you. Did you submit it or is this just a question you're pulling out right now? I don't know if well, I I'm saw submitting it. it right now. Oh, submitting it right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> submitted in real time from Andrew Dixon. In real time. Now. Right. So yeah. this is in regard to Bible studies. Um, I liked what you said around Paul making no attempt to gain favor in Agrippa's eyes. Um, basically, when when um, when Agrippa comes back to him and says, "Are you trying to convert me right now to be a Christian?" or Whatever. Yep. Paul just he laid out the truth. He shared his desire that everyone would come to faith, um, and he stood firmly on that. He didn't compliment his tie to harken back to. 
to Bob Sermon. Sure. There um, you go. Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> That's a nice tie you have there, King Agrippa. Have I mentioned that already? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he, he goes straight to that. So um, when I heard that, I thought, like, where do I feel pressure to bend or gain favor in having gospel conversations with friends? Or where do I seek to, um, like, where does my f- effort to gain favor in their eyes cheapen the gospel mm. message? So as, as I've considered that, that could be a conversation in Bible studies to to have that. Where, where do you find it easy or tempting to... Um, to cheapen things or to simplify things where we can look at Paul's example and be like, he didn't bend at all there. Like he, he shared the gospel, he shared his desire and he just went with it in the face of like very, um, very intense odds at that point yeah. compared to like social awkwardness perhaps in our context here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, I think it's something that's probably always been in the, in the, in the flesh that we battle against, but is it more so or just like really felt like we live in a time where like personal brand and individual expression is just is, is so important. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with personal brand. There's nothing inherently wrong with expressing ourselves individually. There's ways in which those things can quickly go off course and become combative to our faith. So let me also just say that as well. And we're not going to parse that out right now. But I would say for me, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I want to present myself. I want to present myself as someone who knows what they're talking about. And when I, I mean, just say that honestly. So I don't, I'm like probably mostly everyone else and I'm willing to say it. I don't want to appear that I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't want to appear, appear foolish. Um, I don't want to look stupid. Um, I want, I don't want people to ridicule me. Um, so when it comes to my faith, I need to be aware of, how I'm, you know, it, do, do I then, I, the question I need to ask myself, am I withholding the, the genuine um, belief I have in my faith to protect myself from people's ridicule and criticism? Mm-hmm. That's something I need to ask myself because there's also a way in which I should, I should present my faith and bring my faith to people in a way that does not uh, does not overwhelm them or does not embarrass them or, or ridicule them, right? Like, I don't want to also say, hey, listen, I believe in this. This is so true that I want to say it to you in such a way that if you don't believe it, I can't believe you don't believe it. Like, there has to be a humility that I bring with this. And the humility is should not be, hey, I don't know if this is true. You know, like maybe, maybe an example would be, uh, uh, hey, let's feel free. Text in, call in, email. Let's have another conversation about this. Anyone listening? I think as Christians, we can say something like, hey, listen, don't blame me, blame God, right? Don't blame me, blame God. God's the one who told me to do it. I'm just doing what God asked me to do. We can do that sometimes in a way that deflects our responsibility. There's a way in which I need to say, listen, God has asked me to do this, but I believe it. I believe it to the point of making it my own. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to only go to God with this and don't blame me. It's like, you know, I'm saying, no, you can bl- blame me. I want to be a representation of, of Christ and his message, but I also want to speak with it and present those things with humility. I want to show someone how I wrestle with the hard things of faith. I want to show someone how I wrestle with suffering and pain um, and shame um, and failure um, and anger, right? And, and disappointment 
um, where that shows up in my own life, where that shows up in, you know, my family or my marriage or in community or where Christians historically have just fallen short and um, not worn the cloak of Christ well. That when, you know, it's like, I forget who it was that said this, right? Like I, I love Christ. I love Christ, but I don't like the Christian. I don't like his Christians. You know, it's like that, that similar mindset of like, we don't always represent Christ very well. Um, so I need to represent that within myself, within Christendom as a whole. I need to do it with humility, but I also need to ask myself that question. Am I doing that in a way that's protecting me from someone's scorn? Um, yeah. and if so, I need to wrestle with that and recognize that, no, I don't, I should, I want to be both winsome in the way that I present my faith, but I also want to be genuine and willing, uh, to be, um, opposed for it because we're going to be. And if I'm not actually doing it in a way that's opposed, we shouldn't go seeking someone to persecute us. But if we are, if the, if everything we're saying is received really well by the world and we're not persecuted at all, we don't feel uncomfortable at all talking about some of these things, it might be indicative of us not doing enough to really represent the honest um, hope that we have in, in Christ as our Savior and what he's a Savior of us and the world from. Yes, that's very well said. Not forgetting like the, what is the, what is the point of all of this? Um, yeah. That we are separated from God. Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you for the conversation here. Thanks for, again, bringing the word on Acts 26 on Sunday. Any, any closing thoughts as we wrap up a B-side episode here? Uh, no, thank you. I mean, Andrew, thank you for joining. Thanks for emceeing um, and joining. Thanks, everyone, for listening um, at home um, and joining us on Sunday. If you weren't able to join us on Sunday, you can find the recording um, online, of course. Um, and really, let's dig in in our Bible studies. Um, this is a good, in all the ways that maybe I felt kind of like how to figure out which direction to go in Acts 26, it really just, I, I brought it back to uh, Jesus changes everything for us. And yeah. Paul is this person who was the persecutor who becomes, uh, you know, the, the, the most ardent supporter of Christ's message in the early church. And so does Christ change everything for us? It's a question for us and a question for us to, uh, to ask of each other and to encourage each other in uh, that we would be changed by who Christ is. So uh, let's do that together well in community. Awesome. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.